Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. joins us every single Monday to break down the weekend that was and look ahead of the upcoming weekend in the SEC. Our good friend Chris Doring of SEC Network. He joins the show once again. Chris, what's going on, my friend? Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, good to be back with you, Chris. Thanks for uh, having me, and uh, hard to believe we're about to be through the first month of the season after next Saturday. It is hard to believe indeed, Chris. We've got to start, though, looking back on week three how about them Florida Gators, Chris Doring? Just jumping all over Tennessee. I looked up. The score was 26-7 to at halftime. The Florida running game gets going. That defense flying around. Uh, just your overall takeaways, your thoughts. You and I talked about, Chris, how big of a win this would be for Billy yeah. Napier's football team. The swamp was rocking, obviously. But what did you see from both of these teams? And, again, I'll ask you, what does this win mean for Florida and Billy Napier in his second season at the helm? Well, I, I think it's a huge win. I think it's a huge win on the heels of the the loss to Utah. And it wasn't necessarily losing to a very good Utah team. It was the manner in which they lost that game. Uh, the unorganized uh, look at times, uh, the uncoached look at times, uh, some of the procedural issues they had. So I think coming back and playing the way they did against McNeese was important. Uh, but winning a game like this, proving that you're, you're not falling behind not only Georgia, but uh Tennessee, some of your other main rivals in the East was important. Uh, but I think what it also showed was Florida's they, – they've significantly changed things on the defensive line. I just watched the, uh, the, the, the Florida defensive tape against the uh, Tennessee offense. I had my doubts about Tennessee's offense anyway. I did a breakdown on Friday night and some of the things that are holding them back from being successful. And yeah, I don't think people realize this is not the same offense as last year. Obviously, Hendon Hooker being gone, but Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman being gone at the receiver position leaves you – uh, a little more vulnerable there with guys that aren't playing as consistently. And Alex Golish's impact, I think, is being felt, too, as the, the offensive coordinator turned head coach at South Florida now. So, you know, it, it's a different year. I think a lot of people had them highly ranked because of last year. But I thought they were vulnerable to uh, to Florida coming in and, and being able to to win at the line of scrimmage. Austin Armstrong's done a, tr a significant uh, job in, in upgrading what they're doing talent-wise and um, the effort. You know, I think you see guys flying around to the football gang tackling, playing uh, their assignments. It, it just looks like they're, they're having a lot of fun. So, um, I mean, I, I, I was shocked at the dominance on the line of scrimmage, but that's kind of what stood out to me the most was Florida's ability to run at will in the first half and to be able to uh, shut down the run who uh, Tennessee was the number one uh, rushing team in the, in the conference there. So uh, praise to, to that side of the ball for what they were able to do. Chris, speaking to running the football and stopping the run, Tennessee's leading rusher, 16 carries for 63 yards, just 3.9 yards per carry. 
Meanwhile, on the Florida side, Trevor Etienne, have a freaking night, sir. 23 for 172, 7.5 yards per carry and a touchdown. Chris, I had Florida 5-7 and seven over the summer. You admittedly, when we talked the first time, said you took the under on the 5.5 Vegas win total. Gators have Charlotte upcoming this weekend. They should move to 3-1. and one. How does this change, if at all change, your expectations or just your thoughts on what this season can be for the Orange and Blue? Yeah, I was kind of pessimistic about Florida's outlook back when we were in Nashville for the uh, uh, SEC Media Days week there. Um, kind of softened on that after uh, doing a little bit more thinking and watching some of the practices. I thought Florida uh, caught some breaks in terms of when the schedule, how the schedule played out. One of those with playing Utah with Cam Rising being gone, they didn't take advantage of that. But I thought it was an advantage taking on a Tennessee offense that was still going to be kind of fitting in some new pieces and Joe Milton playing, you know, for the first time in a real raucous uh, road venue within the conference. And, and they were able to take care of that last night. So that, that uh, changes the trajectory a little bit for Florida. I think also what changes is, you know, the, the general uh, league being down the way that it appears to be so far. I, I think there's a lot more vulnerable teams than probably I thought in the preseason. So um, this is a year, man, I, I think anybody can win it, as was evidenced kind of by the Benjamin Watson and I uh, picks we put together on, on Saturday night show in terms of ranking the top five. It's wide open right now. Uh, but I honestly believe that maybe one of the biggest things that I underestimated in the offseason was the impact of Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz has been fantastic in coming in and doing what they've asked him to do, a guy that can manage the game, a guy that can get him in the right place, a guy that's thrown with good accuracy, uh, not turning the football over. And, and maybe mo most surprisingly to me, the way that he's eluding the rush, buying more time, throwing the football to receivers as they uncover downfield in scramble situations. Uh, really impressed with what he's done so far for Florida. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Chris, to Athens we go, where South Carolina, it was really a tale of two halves, right? Gamecocks up on Georgia, 14-3 to at halftime, and I'm sure you, myself, many others were looking around saying, 
Is South Carolina about to pull off the biggest upset to this point in the college football yeah. season? Of course, Georgia cuts it on. They pull away, win 24 to 14. I mean, a respectable score for South Carolina when you factor in that, you know, really it was Spencer Rattler putting this football team on his back. I think the defense stepped up, played much better than I maybe expected going in. Your thoughts on this football game from both the Gamecock and the Bulldog perspective and uh, just your main takeaways from, you know, I think a closer than expected margin of victory. Let's start with South Carolina. Um, I mentioned it last week. I'm going to mention it again. The respect that I have gained for Spencer Rattler through the first three weeks of the season uh, can't be described. I mean, it's it's impressive how much he's just fought this year, how much adversity he's had to face at times with being completely under pressure, how limited he is with the weapons around him. Um, so just uh, can't say enough about the job that he's done. Would have liked to seen that game play out with Juice Wells if he would have been able to, to stay in the ball game and, and uh, uh, what the, the duo of he and Xavier Leggett could do together. Um, but at, at the end of the day, you know, it was almost as if they, they ran out of playmakers uh, to some degree. And, and so, um, you know, I, I can't say enough about the job that the coordinators did to uh, help compensate for what I thought were some real liabilities on the line of scrimmage. Um, and I, I think that uh, you mentioned the defensive side of the ball. They were uh, much more penetrating than I expected them to be against that Georgia offensive line. So uh, I think I don't believe in moral victories. I don't think Shane Beamer believes in moral victories, but I think he uh, certainly saw what he wanted to see from his team getting up, ready to go. Uh, having some fight and uh, continuing to play for 60 minutes yesterday. Now on the other side of the ball for Georgia, it was nice to see the Bulldogs finally wake up. I, I felt like for the first 10 quarters of the season, they had almost been sleepwalking through uh, the, the season to that point, uh, found themselves down. And maybe that was the wake up call they needed for the rest of the season, but they came out with intensity, energy, emotion that I hadn't seen. And, and football is a game that you have to play with emotion. You can't, you can't just, just show up and play like a robot. And I think it, it, it may have to do with the weight of expectation based upon winning the last two national championships and being the number one team in the country in the preseason. And, you know, I, I think when that happens, you lose a little bit of the fun aspect of playing football. And I think what they were reminded of is at the end of the day, it's a game. And those guys came out, set the tone well, the beginning of the third quarter offensively went right down the field, scored a touchdown defensively, got a three and out, scored another touchdown. And kind of the, the second half uh, momentum had changed completely. 21 nothing in the final 30 minutes. And uh, I think it was a nice way to jump off for the rest of the season for Georgia. A team that still is very young at some positions and a, a team that's still beat up for, for all intents and purposes, trying to break in some new players. Chris, what do you make of the second half adjustments in Athens? Because, again, as you mentioned, Georgia outscored South Carolina 21 to nothing and uh, you know, tip your cap, give credit where it's due. Kirby Smart and his crew, they're some of the best in the business at doing that. But, of course, from the South Carolina perspective, folks are going to say, why didn't South Carolina counterpunch? I, I was kind of surprised they weren't maybe a little bit more aggressive. I feel like when you're a, a four-touchdown underdog and you're trying to take down number one on the road, I mean, it, it almost felt like to me, Chris, at times the Gamecocks were playing not to lose versus playing to win. I mean, it, did you – did you think of that at all? Did you feel like it was more of just a, like you mentioned, Georgia woke up and uh, their talent sort of took over in that football game? Yeah, honestly, I don't know that I'm ready to uh, comment on that yet. I have to go back and watch the All-22 to kind of see exactly what went on. It's tough to, to see, you know, again in the studio where we're watching the, the TV copy and have about three or four other games going on. So I, I, um, I'm i going to watch the rest of those tapes throughout the, uh, the, the first couple of days of this week. 
and be ready to, to maybe answer that question a little more educatedly as the, as the week wears on. But, um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I, I think there's so much talent on Georgia's side that when they decide they're going to play, I mean, I, I rarely do I, I think they go into a game with a bad plan. Um, they got such great coaches on the defensive side of the ball, whether we're talking about Kirby and his uh, resume or Will Muschamp, Lynn Schumann, those guys are collectively amongst the best uh, defensive brain trust in the country. So, yeah, I, I think they have a, probably had a good plan. Uh, certainly good at making adjustments, but more than anything, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to hear Kirby's halftime locker room speech to see what he said to get those guys going. Now, Chris, admittedly, because this game was going on simultaneously to the South Carolina-Georgia game, I didn't get to see a ton of it, but I looked at my phone, looked at the score, 3-3 three to three with Alabama mm-hmm. and South Florida, and I'm sure many had the same reaction uh, first thing, Bama has to go back to Jalen Milrow, right? Because it doesn't seem that those other two guys are working out. And when you look at Alabama, I mean, do you see the issues going far beyond quarterback? Because, I, I mean, I, I know some of us had nine and three predictions and not so high of expectations, but I was stunned by just looking in a scoreboard watching. I was stunned to see uh, what we saw take place on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it was tough to watch on television uh, when the rain started coming down and then the lightning and the delay. You know, ESPN had to lock their cameras down, so you got some really high views, and it was uh, still pretty cloudy, and, and uh, the, the visibility wasn't great. So, uh, again, haven't watched that tape yet quite uh, yet easily either, but um, I do think that um, it's way more than, than the quarterback. But curious decision. I have no idea – why Coach Saban decided to do that. Maybe they felt like they could win this game regardless and wanted to give those guys an opportunity to see if they could do something. Clearly, there's a big talent discrepancy between Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and Tyler Buckner. Um, but the, the biggest issue I see for this offense is the offensive line. I think it's funny to think back in, in uh, July at Media Days, all the talk from this Alabama offensive line about what they were going to do this year and how good they were going to be it's the same same story, different season where they're the liability on this offense and, and limiting you know, what they're able to do. Five more sacks from a, a South Florida defensive line that I have to imagine doesn't really stack up to what Alabama's going to face the rest of the way with their, their schedule here in the SEC. So there are some big issues. Jalen Milrow at least gives you the opportunity to, to help uh, compensate for some offensive line de- uh, deficiencies. It can also add in the run game. Um, credit to Alabama for finding a way to win credit to Alabama for being able to run for over 200 yards. But, uh, the, the offensive line is an issue and, um, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see what the, the talk from Tuscaloosa is the rest of the week. The Spurs up show is brought to you by our friends over at twisted T. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out twisted T your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. 
It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code Spurs Up for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code Spurs Up, S P or S U P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps and you're set. And also tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought, whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, buying tickets shouldn't be stressful. And game time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at game time. Go download the game time app or go to gametime.co. And when you do Create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S P or S U P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, Chris, looking back or referring back to comments you made about your top five teams in the SEC that you guys talked about on SEC Network, a pair of those teams, Missouri. And Ole Miss, I thought, picking up some big wins over the weekend, especially Mizzou, right, with the the thicker kicker hitting the 61-yarder at the buzzer. They beat Kansas State, a top 25 team, and I thought that was a game, Chris, that if Missouri was going to hit, let's say, the eight-win or nine-win mark and break this mold of, of going 500, that was a swing game they needed to have. And then, of course, Ole Miss – it was ugly at times, but the final score reflects a 48-23 to win over Georgia Tech. What do you like so much about those two teams right now that you put both of them in your top five? Obviously, both are undefeated. Both are winning, dare I say, in different ways. But, you know, both right now, I think, have some of the highest quality wins that the SEC has to offer at this point in the non-conference. Yeah, that, that's two of the points right there. You know, I think heading into this week, you know, I, the Ole Miss probably had the, the marquee win in the SEC over Tulane. Uh, this one over Kansas State that Missouri had probably puts them ahead. Uh, both are three and zero. You know, I, I think to me, it, some of it has to do with what they've done, and some of it has to do with what the other teams in the in the league have done. It's just uh, it, it's 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 a battle of of maybe who's less bad in some uh, degree, and and I, I find it weird saying that, but um, you know, I, I I was impressed with Brady Cook. Uh, Luther Burden uh, continues to be. Uh, the go-to guy on that offense. I thought uh, Blake Baker did a great job defensively of bringing some pressure to, to heat Howard up, particularly as they got closer down into the red zone. Uh, but uh, the resiliency and perseverance were, were things that, that stood out to me. Um, bad things happened. Uh, every time you felt like Missouri was, was making some headway, um, you know, Kansas State would counterpunch and, and it didn't, uh, didn't knock out the Tigers. So they found a way to, to make a play. And at the end, I think just trusting uh, Harrison Nevis to take that 61 yard kick was, was pretty bold given what could have happened in that scenario with a potential block kick or a, a return on a short kick, uh, much like Auburn did to Alabama a few years back. Chris, before we look ahead to week four, really quickly, we can't 
move on without talking about the Bayou Bengals. They dominate Mississippi State. Thoughts on them? Uh, are they the best team in the SEC right now, or does that still belong to Georgia? I still have Georgia there. I think what we saw from uh, the uh, LSU-Mississippi State game was maybe a, an example of, of uh, just how good or an illustration of just how good Florida State actually is. Um, you know, it's, it's a long season, and one thing we know about Brian Kelly's team from last year is they got better as the year went on. Uh, it was nice to see Jaden Daniels look more like the quarterback I expected him to be. I've told you in the offseason, uh, Jaden uh, Daniels was my number one quarterback heading into the year, and and uh, yesterday he looked like the, the the dual threat that I expected him to be. A uh, little curious as to why uh, Mississippi State's defense played so soft in coverage and allowed you know a lot of those uh, the shorter throws to kind of get him into a rhythm. Uh, then they started hitting some of the deep balls on some double moves, uh, a couple to Malik Neighbors. But I, I thought that um, you know all in all he was the guy that I expected him to be. Second half used his legs, was able to beat the the rush of Mississippi State's defense. Always very good in the in the zone read stuff. So um, they they certainly asserted themselves. And defensively, it was just a mismatch. The offensive line for for Mississippi State is trying to go through a transition. Those guys, largely, a lot of them recruited to play in an air raid system, having to kind of transition into more of a pro style attack. I think it's a, a tough task for them. You go back and look; they ran the ball well last week against Arizona. But you know, two of the the Arizona edge rushers weigh about as much as I do, and uh, it's it's a different story when you're playing against uh, an SEC defensive front, particularly one that has Mason Smith back and Makai Wingo, those guys playing together for only the second time this season were a formidable duo up front. Chris, South Carolina hosts Mississippi State on Saturday night in week four. Your thoughts on that matchup and the importance, I think, from the Gamecock perspective of that one, because you showed some progress against Georgia, but you sit one and two right now. I think for South Carolina to hit, say, the seven or eight win mark, Chris, I think this is a must-win type of toss-up game. Obviously, Mississippi State is reeling. Uh, how would like when you look at this game? How would you how would you describe the importance of this one for both sides? But definitely South Carolina being the home team hosting this one under the lights. Yeah, I think when when you go through your schedule in the preseason, you look at our here's some games they're definitely going to win. Here's some ones that they're definitely not going to win. And, and to your point. You know, making sure you capitalize on the toss-up games and and something I thought that South Carolina did a good job of for the most part last year. Uh, I, I guess I wouldn't describe Tennessee as Clemson, uh, Tennessee or Clemson as toss-up games from the preseason in 2022, but um, they were able to get those two as well. This is a game with a new staff uh, in in Starkville um, trying to figure out an identity that South Carolina uh, should have the advantage over. You know, I think. Seeing the way they played as we go back to last week against Georgia, um, seeing the way that they were able to, to have some success on the line of scrimmage gives me some confidence that they can you know, use the game plan from what LSU did, and that was stop the run, uh, take away the, the effectiveness of Woody Marks, make Will Rogers beat you throwing the football. He, he just doesn't look comfortable in this offense yet. They don't have receivers that are stretching the field consistently. So I think that uh, that'll be – that's every defensive coordinator's first and foremost goal going into a, a game is to stop the run. But you know, I think even more so Clayton White's attention will be, hey, turn the tape on. Here's what LSU did. Here's the success we did had up front against Georgia. Let's build on that and, and, and make them as one-dimensional as we possibly can. Chris, the best of the rest of the slate in week four, Bama hosting Ole Miss in a game that I think we're going to learn a lot about both of those teams. And obviously it's, it's vastly important – 
for the Crimson Tide because if folks think the panic is high right now, drop one of the Rebels and see what happens. Uh, Texas A&M and Auburn, I think that's a must-win game for Jimbo Fisher. Obviously, Hugh Freeze, you look at this is sort of – you know, one of those games that I, I think you could see Auburn sort of playing spoiler in regards to what a team's trying to accomplish, and they could wreak some havoc in the SEC. Kentucky, Vandy, that's a big one for Mark Stoops. I know Vandy obviously coming off the loss to UNLV. They don't look all that great. Tennessee, UTSA is a sneaky good game. LSU, Arkansas. I mean, your, your thoughts on the rest of the slate and what really stands out to you and what you're, you're most excited to see this weekend? Well, I'm excited to see that uh, Ole Miss-Alabama game in Tuscaloosa. I was shocked. Somebody told me on Sunday morning that the spread was uh, 11, that Alabama was favored by 11. That's one of those too-good-to-be-trues that uh, everyone wants to run and load up on Ole Miss, and somehow uh, the tide ends up winning by two touchdowns. But to me, I don't I don't see it. You know, and Maybe it has something to do with the health of Trey Harris. Uh, they certainly need to get him back because he's a dynamic weapon, uh, obviously, at one of, of – uh, Jackson Dart's favorite uh, targets, but um, yeah, I, I I don't see that based upon you know the the struggles that that Alabama seems to be in. They're not gonna they're not gonna win the game, let alone cover, unless they go back to Jalen Milrow. I, I I fully expect to see him back in the lineup. Uh, I fully expect them to kind of overhaul what they're doing offensively and, and become more run centric with him. At this point in time, you, you got nothing to lose, so um, that needs to be the 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 goal this week. I'll go back and, and talk about, um, you know, the, the Texas A&M and Auburn game too. You know, Auburn gets a, a, a win yesterday or on, on Saturday and, and uh, you know, they sloppy kind of win, a couple red zone interceptions. And, and for Texas A&M, like I was all out on them after the, the Miami performance, particularly on the defensive side. They did look better. They gave up two big plays in the passing game in the first quarter. But after that, it was kind of uh, nothing. Um, from, from there on. So uh, maybe they got better on that side of the football. We'll see against Auburn. But I, one thing I am sure of, uh, it's Connor Wegman. Connor Wegman has been incredibly impressive and one of the big surprises. I expected him to take a step forward this year after having a chance to play at the end of 2022. But clearly you can see Bobby Petrino's uh, effect on, on him and his development and that group of wide receivers. So today Walker kind of stepped up, uh, provided 100 yards receiving uh, in addition to what Anaya Smith did on Saturday. So uh, that continues to be the strength of that team. I, I'm not sure that Auburn can can hold up and, and score with uh, what I expect Texas A&M to, but a lot of it's going to have to do with how that defense plays. If they play like they did against Miami, uh, anybody can hang in the ballgame. Chris, you mentioned Connor Wegman. Of course, we talked LSU and Jaden Daniels. You mentioned your respect for Spencer Rattler, specifically on Rattler. I mean, where would you put him right now in the SEC? Uh, because I, I think what he's doing, again, putting this Gamecocks football team on his back. I saw a stat this morning, Chris. South Carolina right now is eighth nationally in passing offense. They're 130th in rushing offense. I, I don't know if they can sustain that. I think it, it makes South Carolina – nearly one of the most volatile teams in the SEC just simply because the way that QB1 is playing, they're, you know, on any given day, good enough to be anybody left on their schedule. But let's just say, Chris, he has an off day. They don't have a second pitch, right? And they don't exactly yeah. have a dominant defense. So, I mean, your thoughts, you mentioned how impressed you were of him, but your thoughts on him as a whole and where he sits right now amongst the other SEC signal callers, if you will. Yeah, I love that you you contrasted those two statistical categories because I think it even more illustrates how effective Spencer Rattler's been able to be without any sort of support of the run game. 
it's tough enough when you're dealing with some of the protection issues that South Carolina's had to deal with, let alone the inability to run the ball. Um, they've got to find a way to manufacture some, some run yards. It's going to be a long season if, if they, they can't do that. Um, but I, I, I think Spencer Rattler was a guy – I was kind of skeptical of the success that he had at the end of the year. I mean, it felt like he caught lightning in a bottle and wasn't sure if they'd be able to, uh, to resuscitate that life uh, at the beginning of this season. But certainly Dow Loggins has done a nice job of that. Uh, I credit Spencer Rattler. This guy has had to deal with a lot from the expectations coming out of high school – uh, being thrown into the mix early on in, in, in Oklahoma, uh, having to get benched for Caleb Williams and coming over to South Carolina. Just a, a lot that he's gone through. I love the fact that he came back to play another season. I love the attitude that he's had as a leader. Uh, I like watching the body language that he shows on the field now because I think it's different than what it once was, uh, even you know as recently as last year at times. So I, 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 I definitely have him in my top five now, probably somewhere maybe three or four given what I've seen through three weeks of the season. But, um, yeah, maybe maybe more than than anybody, um, you know, the respect factor has grown uh, significantly through the, the first uh, quarter of the season. Now, Chris, maybe it's recency bias, but do you ever remember a season where we had more parity and more uncertainty on a week-in, week-out basis? Because it feels like right now – and again, we're only three weeks in, and I think teams should have the opportunity to get better, figure themselves out, right, get in a rhythm, get in a groove. But, like, it doesn't feel like there's that one or two or even three dominant teams in the SEC. And obviously, the SEC struggles continue, right? Arkansas falling to BYU, yeah. Andy, Vandy's losing to UNLV, and UNLV's trolling the SEC on Twitter. I mean, I just don't remember a year, and I know it's because of the portal NIL stuff like that, these, these rosters moving around. I just don't remember a year in which, you know, we're three weeks in and I still feel like I don't know anything. I feel like I almost know less than I thought yeah. I did. Do you feel that same yeah. way? Yeah, I feel that same way. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting to try to look at it and say, well, is this more fun or less fun? Because I think, I think to some degree, you know, putting that top five together that I did on Saturday night was kind of fun because it wasn't the usual suspects. And, and it changed significantly from the top five I put together on Friday night on our preview show. So I think that um, it's good for college football. It's good for the SEC. Um, I, I was having this uh, text discussion with some of my SEC network folks uh, earlier on, on Sunday. And, um, you know, one of, one of them said, we're not getting a team in the college football playoffs. Uh, I said, I wouldn't. It's kind of soon to say that, especially like when you look at the rankings. I, I was high on, on Texas and, and FSU last week. They both struggled a little bit on, on Saturday. Michigan struggled at times on Saturday. Georgia struggled at times on Saturday. You know, I don't know that there's anybody that's really asserted themselves as head and shoulders above everybody else. So, you know, I think it's just a prelude for what's going to continue to be a, an exciting season, one that's going to be tough to figure out. And uh, when we get to November and the college football playoff uh, committee gets together, I think they're going to be, be tasked with a, a, a tough exercise to try to figure out you know, how to how to quantify what we've seen so far uh, to that point through the first two months of the year. Chris Doring of SEC Network does a fantastic job week to week, both on the SEC Network and joining us on a weekly basis. Chris, it's always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate you helping us make sense of it all and look forward to doing it again next Monday as well, man. Thank you so much. I don't know if I helped make sense of it, but uh, it's fun. I think it's cathartic to kind of talk through some of these things, man. So thanks for having me. Indeed. Appreciate you, Chris. See you, bud.